Hey, No Stroke listeners. David and I appreciate you taking some time out of your day to listen to this episode. If you find our podcast valuable, we ask that you consider supporting us with a small monthly donation. You could head over to nostrokepod.com to become a supporter of the show and help David and I continue to create content for listeners in our stroke community around the globe. Now let's get to today's episode. This is the No Stroke Podcast with your co-hosts, David Dancero and Michael Garrow, helping you to support and thrive in life after stroke. Their podcast is designed for educational and community support purposes only and should not replace medical treatment and guidance of your own health professional team. Welcome to episode 56 of the No Stroke Podcast. I'm Dave Dancero, him with my co-host, Mike Garrow. Hey, Mike. How are we doing, David? It's a... Uh... A podcast two we got we're getting two things in today. We did an intro this morning or sorry we're doing the intro now and we had a great episode recorded with uh, a guest that we'll be releasing in the coming weeks earlier this morning so so like you said started with a with us being <laughs> together and now we're closing out our day together and in the day. For sunrise it. and sunset with mike yarrow <laughs> can't get any better mike come on Hey, well, you know what else can't get better is when we have some amazing feedback, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we we're fortunate to see, uh, and I'll let you share, you know, the full, full scope of it. But, um, you know, I think as David walks through this again, like we always ask, you know, for folks out there who are listening and, you know, either enjoy this content or have, you know, taken an action or engaged in some point, some part of their life based on, you know, whether it's a, you know, guests that we had on or any connection, uh, you know, we'd love to hear about it. You know, obviously this is a passion project for David and I, um, you know, we are obviously looking for sponsorship. So Mm -hmm. if there are folks out there, you know, willing to support us as well, um, please do get in touch. But I mean, what makes us have to, you know, get on the call here and see each other two times a day, not that we don't love it, but it's, you know, (laughs) the feedback that we've heard, uh, which David will share here. Yeah. And that, thanks Mike, that, that, uh, you know, especially after pushing through, uh, our record month of May getting four episodes and actually f- closer to six, because the one that we're introing today, we actually recorded, but a regular listener of ours by the name of Danielle, um, who we found out by a guest of the show, uh, early in one of our, I think it was our episode four or five, uh, Benga Adiko from Newgate just um, unsolicited uh, put a post on LinkedIn and tagged us that he was um, highlighting a listener of our show who used his product Newgate after um, hearing about our product um, from one of our stroke support groups that recommended the podcast and then she was looking for gate solutions and tuned into Begna's show and it was a nice bit of uh feedback and boost that you know feel good that we were able to somehow help her improve her her mobility and her outcomes with um where she was in her recovery so it made us both smile yeah and you know i think one thing that we'd like to do to maybe you know help people because i know going on now as we're the episodes deep right within the podcast you know oftentimes there pe- people might be looking for specific conversations maybe specific topics you know like obviously we we have a blend of discussions with 
therapists, you know, entrepreneurs, and obviously the folks with lived experience, survivors and caregivers, you know, I think it'd be great if we could, and I know it's an action that we've been looking at for a while, but over the course of the summer, kind of take the website um, and create categories, right, for some of these podcasts now um, in the episodes. So it'll help folks search easier and kind of find specific episodes. But um, yeah, I mean, hearing that feedback, uh, David, it's kind of why we're doing what we do. And, you know, there's been other feedback we've heard through the grapevine as well of, you know, folks folks acting out on, you know, one understanding stroke symptoms and even taking, you know, a step in order to ensure, hey, let's make sure this isn't a stroke that I might be, be having, but they've listened to the podcast, understood these symptoms and the importance of early action by, by our podcast. So yeah, all great, great feedback. Um, and, you know, obviously helps us continue to do what we're doing here. So thank you for that. And again, if you have any any other feedback, please go on to the website, um, www.nostrokepod.com. And we have a comments and feedback section that you can share your story. So yeah, let's get into this one, David. Um, today's guest uh, joined us from the United Stroke Alliance. So they have quite an interesting story um, founded by Mary Lee Nunley and Larry Shaher. Um, and they are, they're a, they're a dynamic duo. You know, they're, yeah, they're just a, a cool, cool, yeah, they're a cool, cool duo. Um, and they've been at, the, at this for you know, a number of years. I think in 2004, um, they launched the United Stroke Alliance and, you know, really with that, with a mission just to provide, you know, what we see as the missing link and unfortunately still is across the board is that extra layer of care. And, you know, Mary Lee, Mary Lee, um was the brainchild that that started this and then Larry was able to come in uh and really help continue the growth and you know as you and I know you know it, it's tough right? um so having that partnership was key and they've done some really cool stuff um you know one thing that caught our eye uh that again we we spoke about in in depth with them were these stroke camps so again you'll hear Mary they go through this but they've hosted was it just over 300, right? Of these yeah. stroke camps across the country. Um, yeah. A weekend retreat style kind of hosted and sponsored by a local hospital um, that they go in and you know, rent out a community center or church and put on a, you know, 48 hour event where you could kind of come in, think, you know, have these conversations that are, you know, difficult to maybe have, you know, with, the, with your loved ones, companions and be around folks that have lived through similar experiences to you. So yeah. It's super impressive to see them surpass the 300, you know, camp mark. Um, and you'll hear Mary Lee share, you know, exactly what goes on there as well as, you know, kind of what their plans are for, for some camps coming up. Um, and, you know, that's not the only advocacy work. You know, I think if you go onto their website, which we have a link in the show notes, you'll see just how much they've done. Um, but one thing that, we also touched on was their program called strike out stroke, which is much more on the prevention advocacy side um, where they've partnered with local baseball teams uh, in the minor league divisions and use a night out at the ballpark to again, promote stroke awareness. Um, and it's been a very successful campaign. So I think it was a great example of, again, what passion 
Yeah. Beast, you know, could could really continue to drive. And, you know, the the duo of Larry and Mary Lee, I mean, they've they've really done a great job of what they've put together here since two, uh, 2004 and excited to see kind of what what's on the cards for them as they continue to grow. Yeah. And the energy comes across and their, their creativity and the different programs and the reach they've had with them. And, um, you know, they mentioned, you know, you mentioned established in 2004, they'll be at this coming upon their 20th anniversary doing this as a, as a, as a, as an alliance. So really great work. It's, it's super exciting for us to be able to, present the work that they're doing and share with our community as well 20 years yeah i think, we're, I think you and i are gonna get 20 years <laughs> i don't know I, I can't lose anymore hair. <laughs> we we have we do have to stop catching ourselves from saying there's been two no we've been doing the podcast for two we've actually been together working at this for for over four so yeah, yeah. It, it it rolls along so yeah well, I have no doubt we'll get there and accomplish some great things along the way. Right there. Absolutely. All right. So with that, let's introduce the co-founders of the United Stroke Alliance, Mary Lee and Larry Shire. Hi, and welcome to the No Stroke Podcast. We have Larry and Mary Lee with us today. Um, one of the, we haven't done this too many times with a, a you know, two two co-hosts and two guests with us um but you have a great setup the mics are perfect for anyone who's watching on youtube it'll come out crystal clear so we're uh we're excited to have this conversation with you guys today um you know there's been such immense work um and passion behind this work that you guys have done over the years to really you know, raise awareness and, and, you know, provide more support out there for this population of stroke survivors and caregivers who really, you know, who, as we know ourselves and why you do what you're doing and why David and I do what we're doing and so many others out there, there's, there's so many gaps to be filled for, for folks out there. So um, before we dive into, you know, the stroke United Stroke Alliance and some of these brilliant programs that you guys have worked on over the years, um, Mary Lee, let, let's start with you. And, you know, I'd love for you just to kind of give a bit of your background and, and story to date and what's kind of led you guys to this mission here with United Stroke Alliance. Certainly. Well, my name is Mary Lee Nunley, and I'm a native Illinoisan. So I've lived in Illinois all my life. I'm not always sure why, but I have. Um, but the I think the backstory that leads to where we are today is... Uh, at the time that my husband had a stroke uh, and the, the journey since then, and it's almost 22 years um, now that I've been uh, a caregiver for him. And following his stroke, uh, we had all of the things that anyone who has a stroke on a Sunday afternoon at 2.42 goes through. Uh, a hospitalization, lots and lots of physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy. Um, they keep you very, very busy. Um, John uh, worked at Caterpillar, which is a international company. And uh, so he had very good insurance, uh, which I understand now is a huge gift uh, that many individuals did not or do not have. Uh, so he was able to get really solid therapy for a long period of time. Um, what led us to 
the first weekend retreat is directly related to me as my role as a caregiver. And I'm kind of a natural caregiver anyway with family members and situations in the past. But at the, about the two-year mark, I I had a day where, um, well, John had had a lot of health problems prior to the stroke. So a lot of his close friends were just quite anxious about his health and everything. And I ran into someone and they got this pitiful look on their face and they said, oh, how's John? And at that moment, I felt this overwhelming moment of, does anybody care about me? Because I was the one that had dealt with a meltdown. I was the one that had dealt with with the emotional ups and downs and the ability to not get his words out because he had aphasia and not be able to read, not be able to write, not be able to manage anything, money, medications, all of that was on my shoulders. Um, and, and in that moment, it's like, what can I do to, to learn more, to be able to, I don't, I don't want him to die, but I don't want this the rest of my life. Uh, and that kind of led me slowly into the idea of the weekend retreat and part of the weekend retreat idea came from many years ago when my sister and her family did camps for children with cystic fibrosis. We saw how those kids together with the medications and all the treatments they had to have bonded and they, they wanted to come back year after year. So I said to my sister, do you think we could do this for our stroke friends? And I started with my local support group, which I enjoyed and we had some great friendships, but an hour a month just doesn't cut it for a lifetime of caregiving. So I thought a weekend retreat, we could have some discussions and some presentations and all learn from each other. And so we set out uh, three years after my husband's stroke in 2004, the last weekend of September, found a church camp and had a wonderful, wonderful weekend retreat with uh, survivors, caregivers, medical professionals who volunteered, speakers, all kinds of things. And we had a wonderful time. We had so much interest that the next year we did two, and Larry and I used to work together many years ago, and uh, we always kept in touch, and it was after year number two uh, that he says, you're kind of onto something, so he came and visited one of the camps, and he said, every time I see you and you talk about camp, you just come alive. You're really onto something here, and at that time, we were trying to figure out how to get people from outside the area to come to central Illinois to the camp. Um, I was lucky to get an article published in Stroke Connection magazine. And I heard from people in eight different states. Where's the camp? Where's the camp? So of course I get online to try and find a camp. And guess what? There weren't any. So he had the idea of finding sponsors and taking camp to the people, to the communities that might want to sponsor a camp. And uh, with a lot of legwork and a lot of prayer and a lot of pounding the pavement and a lot of uh, traveling for Larry and I, um, we were able to launch that, uh, become a nonprofit and then launch that about a year later. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Enjoying this episode, Mike and I would like to remind you, we now have a show supporter option on our website. Follow the heart button to help support us and continue to make great content possible. We'll give you a shout out on the show too when you do. We appreciate your generosity. When she says that we've worked together, uh, let me point out it's uh, 35 years. 38. 38 years now. Not, see, I've lost count already. 
but we've worked together 38 years and sometimes at camp people said well are you guys married and we'll say yeah just not to each other you know <laughs> <laughs> sort of like my business wife type thing because uh we've worked so well together over the years uh uh, that uh, people we, we can answer each other's uh, th thoughts you know I answer each other's sentences without even knowing what the other one's going to say so it's been a great relationship that has culminated into creating and developing uh, this nonprofit. and way more than the camps <laughs> well yes and, and it's like Larry tell us a little bit more about your background that you saw well, that connection yeah, actually, I'm a country boy. I lived, grow, grew up on a farm, and uh, my degree is actually in psychology, uh, but I've never really used that. <laughs> he doesn't like people well enough. I don't like people, in fact, you know. <laughs> but uh, actually, I've had sort of a knack for taking a blank sheet of paper and creating something out of it. So uh, I guess whether or not you want to call it entrepreneurial uh, gene that I have or whatever, but I've started uh, companies before. And when I saw the opportunity with this of creating a national network of camps, I said, Mary Lee, can I come along with the journey that you're going to have here? And that created our connection with retreat and refresh stroke camp at the time, because that's what we did. But as you see with the other programs and services, they evolve from the feedback and information of listening to survivors and caregivers and understanding what it is that's important to them. And one of the things that evolved really quickly was we want to tell people about the signs of stroke. We want to educate them about the stroke so people, other, our friends and neighbors don't have to go through this. So. And that's how our strikeout stroke, our uh, youth education programs, our uh, stronger than a stroke, all the other programs really have come out of just listening to the survivors and caregivers uh, in the camps. And this year, we're going to surpass 300 camps in 27 states. So it's been sort of since the beginning, not it, all this year. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not 300 this year, but since 2004. So. It's really given us an opportunity to listen to people and try to respond to the needs that they have. So, so um, my background is more academic, probably, but uh, I've really been fortunate to have been involved in uh, some startup, mostly nonprofit organizations. So. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know you guys bring, obviously, like you were saying, you could, you know, you have that. You know, people mistake you as husband wife right yeah you have a great relationship and you know the first time we spoke you know david and i that's you know, with you guys you know you that just oozed out you know one you're doing this for the right reasons you're on the same page with your with your mission and and you guys work well together and that's really helped grow you know all these programs and and when you speak to listening to the patients right and listening to the survivors caregivers like that's the success hopefully uh, of many whether you're uh, companies or organization or, or products right it's it's you know spending time with those who are using your services and who experience these you know pain points that you could now 
help, right? And develop new yeah. programs for software. Yeah, we go back, I go back to some of the early discussions where the survivor said, well, I just, my arm was kind of numb and my arm went to sleep. So I took a nap. And, you know, I, this was, I was confused and I couldn't understand what somebody said. So I took a nap. So, and they said, I didn't have any idea because I didn't know that could be a sign of stroke. So that's, that, that's what began us. They, they said, we don't want other people to have to do this if there's a way we can educate. And those were right. some of the nuggets that came out in informal discussions that we listened to. Yeah. And I want to, let, let's start with you know, the origin of these camps and kind of, you know, we'll let's focus on the camps for a bit and then we'll, we'll move into some of the, the prevention stuff as well that with the strikeout stroke. So, so with these camps, right, obviously it started out of, and, and like many support groups, you maybe meet once a month, once a week. Now in this world, it's all online for the most part. Um, or at least a blend of Zoom meetings and maybe an occasional in-person meetup, which is probably at a local hospital or, you know, convenient where what you got, what you saw and what you've developed now, it's it's kind of that retreat. You're, you're going away for the weekend is a bit more of a relaxed setting. So walk us through like what... Uh, what do people experience when you know you attend one of your camps? Like, what what's that experience like? Well, let's let's frame it a little bit to think about. Uh, as, as you probably know, a lot of survivors go through a sense of isolation, and especially with COVID, that was even tripled, quadrupled, or whatever. But it's almost like seeing how people get disconnected to family members, to their community, to their neighbors. And think about in terms of what we do with camp is that we are bringing them back together to form a new community for them. So yes, they may have lost their connections with their family and friends. So camp is an opportunity to sort of rebuild connections and relationships that people need. You know, human beings are social animals. So we need that connection, especially if you're challenged with a recovery and a journey from stroke, you really need that connection with other people and other people going through the same challenges really is the essence of what we do in a weekend. And Mary Lee has been fabulous of figuring out how to make that work in a weekend. So I, I needed to preface that in a sense of what people really need at that point and why they respond to it. I guess you did something with that psychology degree. So there. <laughs> yeah, a little something. Well, it shows up from time to time. That, that was the only thing I used yeah. to try. <laughs> Let me quickly walk you through a weekend. Yeah, would, that, please, would that be okay? Um, yeah. They're typically Friday through Sunday. Occasionally we'll have a, a Sunday through Monday or something like, or Saturday through Monday, but most of them are Friday through, through Sunday. And uh, we have uh, the hospital provides uh, ad advertisement and marketing for the campers. They also provide volunteers for the weekend. We send a team of four or five to each camp to execute the weekend. So we arrive on Friday morning um, and get everything organized and set. We have a van that takes everything that's needed for the weekend to each of these locations. We drive the van to each location for to execute this particular weekend. 
Um, Friday, the campers arrive between 1.30 and 3.30 typically, get registered, get set in. And from the time they arrive, my mission was that it feels like a five-star hotel, as much for the caregiver as for the survivor. Um, that was one of the, my passions was it can't just be for survivors because dang it, there's a lot of times they get way more attention than we caregivers get. <laughs> so everything is, is equally uh, provided for caregivers and survivors. Um, we usually have some relaxing things to do, some snacks and such, and we kick off the weekend with uh, a it's a drum circle, but it's an opening kind of ceremony where we get to know each other. And that's, uh, we have a, a music therapist at each camp that leads the drum circle, which is the heart of kicking things off. The, the, the heartbeat of the weekend is through using those percussions and the drumming that we do through, through that uh, opening drum circle. Um, and it's, it can be very, very powerful. Uh, it's a chance for all of us to introduce ourselves and just play the music and relax and feel comfortable because you don't have to have a musical background for that. So that's what kind of starts the weekend. Uh, then we go right into a the first of three discussion groups. We have questions and usually a theme or something that we kind of uh, cling to, um, to for discussion. Survivors are with survivors. Caregivers are with caregivers. No holds barred. We have some questions that we start off with, introductions and such. But we if it goes in one direction with certain topics that people want to discuss, um, we we go with it. I mean, we've talked about we've talked about everything from uh, separation from family, uh, anger, the mood swings, uh, sex to drooling, you know, <laughs> so it's it, you know, it, it it's not uh, restricted to what we think, but embracing what the group effort uh, wants to be. Um, so if I might add one piece of that is that many times we find those discussions, it's really the first time sometimes survivors have to express their frustrations, mm -hmm. their difficulties. Well, I think one of the unique things that the camp has to offer, sometimes the opportunity for survivors to really express their emotions of the challenges, the difficulties is pretty limited. And sometimes the challenges and difficulties are sometimes their caregiver. And because their 24-7 caregivers are with them all the time, it really does not allow them time for expression of what they feel. And sometimes those breakout groups at camp are pretty raw because they've been saving it up for a long time and <laughs> yep. all they want to do is just let it out. And having that opportunity is pretty unique because even in stroke support groups, that's not yeah. usually expected or even acceptable. So having the survivors together and having 10 or 15 survivors together to be able to share that is sometimes pretty incredible. And for us volunteers, it's like very humbling of the information they're willing to share and express that they maybe never expressed three years from their stroke or two years or whatever. So yeah. I, I just want to comment on the on the, the value of those breakout groups for survivors. I usually lead the survivors and merely usually 
leads the caregivers and and leading the caregivers and that group's a, even a little bit different yeah. so maybe you can comment about that as well yeah i i think probably now uh, unfortunately or fortunately i don't know there's more, always more female caregivers and more male survivors at camp partly it has to do with the strokes but partly it has to do with i think sometimes the women are, are ready to reach out and to get out and do something the survivors may not be seeking that as much so it often is heavily leaning towards females. Um, I find an awful lot of it is, is getting it out where you are, someone else validating, yes, I've been there. Yes, I feel the same way. Just hearing someone say, boy, I hear you, girl, or I hear you, you know, um, it, it can be so therapeutic. Um, we also often do a lot of tips, like how people have learned to navigate someone with a, a left or right-sided deficit. Um, and I've often told the story of one of our dear friends who has since passed, um, and she discovered that um, Sierra Mist that has some quinine in it, if her husband drank a half a can of Sierra Mist before church, he didn't drool all the way through church because the quinine in Sierra Mist slowed down um, the, the saliva, the generation of the saliva during that period of time. Now, you're not going to learn that at a doctor's office. Now, and we don't profess to be medical or anything, but people talk about that kinds of things. I've learned, there's several things that I have learned even after I was caregiving for 10 years that I hadn't thought of myself. So um, it, you know, even though it's kind of guided with, with a theme, sometimes we're, we've done vision boards uh, where we were able to do a vision. Uh, sometimes this year, TV land is our theme. So we're asking everyone to identify with, uh, well, to share their favorite TV show that takes them away, and then maybe share, um, are you in Survivor? Are you in Family Ties? Where are you with your stroke journey related to a TV show? And get the conversation going. So it's not just Q&A as much as uh, a good discussion. Mike, I just had a quick follow-up for Marilee or Larry. Um, um, with the sharing and the component in the breakout groups, um, is there is there a place for young uh, children of stroke survivors, young families? Are they invited to the camp? And is there a place for them to also perhaps share what it's like to be in a family unit that someone has had a stroke? Uh, they are always, yes, all ages are welcome. Uh, we do have one camp that United Stroke Alliance sponsors through fundraising ourselves, and we call it our family camp. And it is specifically geared for uh, young survivors who are raising children and one parent has had a stroke. Um, but, and so that's where the most children are because almost every family has children. Um, and interestingly, um, been about four years ago, it was a 12 year old boy and in his, and we had a separate breakout group for the youth. And he said, no one's ever asked me how I feel since my dad's stroke, because the kids just kind of get shuffled off. And, you know, we're focusing on mom or we're focusing on dad and we're focusing on figuring out now I have to be the breadwinner because he, dad can't work anymore or vice versa. Um, and so, the, so we've made we've intentionally made sure that we have groups for children who may want to discuss that. If it's not anything they want to discuss, then we would have a volunteer play a game or take a hike or something. But uh, we don't have any restrictions on ages at camp. Yeah, that's that's really important. That That's kind of exactly where I was going to go um, in terms of like these conversations, right, between 
a young adult having a stroke, raising a family, trying to deal with what that dynamic is, right? Uh, whereas, you know, someone maybe later in life, retired, like, they're not trying to get back to work and kind of it's, right. the, it's the goal setting and and kind of, you know, life at like what that journey is for someone life after stroke. And right? you know, the common denominator is everyone's either had a stroke or is a stroke caregiver. And I yeah. remember one camp early on, there was a 21 year old and a 91 year old. Yeah. And they just bonded like Good I could enough. not yeah. believe. And they yeah. had so much fun together. So, you know, it, it, it I mean, certainly there are dynamics related to age um hmm. but there's always that common bond of that shared experience absolutely exactly. yeah exactly. yeah and exactly. you know kind of learning like now my mom you know is you know 20 or 30 odd years post-stroke right and you know she still like speaks with folks who are young families right because she right. lived through that and she's kind of gone through that whole journey now to understand yeah. and, and assure like hey look yeah it's it's not what you planned for it's not how you might have envisioned your you know life to look at look like at you know 35 40 but like that it's going to be okay and these are right. some ways to to kind of get through that yeah, yeah um, and it's nice it's nice being many years out let me just quickly kind of go through the rest of the week yeah, the we do quite as much detail uh, we do have three of those breakout groups we have two more on saturday so we'll have three of those um friday night we have uh some kind of a of a game, some kind of an activity, sometimes family feud, music, bingo, you know, all kinds of things. And that we break into four teams and we separate the survivors and caregivers, have the survivor on one team and the caregiver on another. It's intentional. Everything we do is intentional. It's intentional because sometimes the caregivers can't let go of their survivor or the survivor clings to the caregiver. This way it's an opportunity for our volunteers for the weekend uh, to help support individuals and they the survivor realizes someone else can help them the caregiver realizes they can be away for a little while uh one story from it was a camper um that had gone down fishing and the caregiver was doing uh, a craft and she looked up at me she got tears in her eyes and she said i haven't thought about him for a half an hour that hasn't happened in four years so those kinds of things are little nuggets that we can't plan but we're happy to have them occur so that's the first time and then after after that game or that activity whatever it is uh we always have a campfire on friday night with some s'mores and our music therapist will do a sing-along around the campfire um and as as many of you know that a lot of times people can't speak after a stroke but they can sing so their voices can be expressed at that particular time. So that kind of wraps up um, our Friday. Uh, Saturday, we start out with breakfast and a second discussion group. Uh, and then later in the morning from 10 to about noon is one of the favorite times of the weekend, which is our pampering block of time. We have a massage therapist. We do the paraffin hand dips. We do mini manicures. We have foot and leg massagers, neck massagers. Sometimes we do yoga uh, and, you know, guided meditation, different kinds of things, but just, and always, always a couple of crafts. So it's just kind of a time for people to move around the room, go station to station, and just take in the love and uh, touching, the, the, the touching, the feeling uh, from our volunteers and our staff. So that, that's always a high-rated uh, part of the weekend. 
Uh, we have a noon meal and in the afternoon, it's, it's kind of a split of activities. We try and have that first hour after uh, lunch uh, to be a rest time. A lot of survivors need to nap, they need to rest. So we might have a jigsaw puzzle, the crafts. Uh, we always put on a movie in the afternoon with some popcorn. Uh, try and kind of on the down low those first few hours. Sometimes we do a cooking demo, adaptive equipment. It it, it varies, um, but that's a time that is is kind of less structured. Sometimes we have fishing, boating, rock wall climbing, zip lining. Those activities are kind of coordinated during that period of time or sometimes in conjunction with the pampering. Um, but everything is optional. We make sure everyone knows everything is optional. Uh, no one has to go to anything that we have or they can go to everything they have. Later in the afternoon, we always have an educational uh, session where we bring in, it can be an occupational therapist, a physical therapist, uh, a neurologist talking about new treatments. Uh, sometimes it's a panel discussion. We've had pharmacists. Uh, we've had individuals talk about essential oils, you know, we coordinate that with each of the individual sponsors for that time, but that's a that's an intentional education block of time. Most of our blocks of time are done in about 45 minutes, no longer than an hour, because we know attention span for many survivors cannot go more than that 40, 40, 45 minutes, sometimes a half an hour. And if they need to get up and move or leave, no one thinks a thing about it. Um, so that everyone listening knows we find facilities where there's private rooms, private bathrooms, or sometimes semi-private bathrooms, um, but it's not tent camping. It's not cooking over an open fire. It's kind of like glamping. So just so everyone knows uh, when they hear the word camp, uh, it's because the activities we do are camp kind of church campy type things, um, but the facilities, uh, many of them are very nice hotels. They're usually resorts, uh, retreat centers, church camps. So. Anyway, moving on, uh, after we have another support group uh, after our education session and then dinner. And Saturday night, we are our own entertainment. On Saturday night, it's the Stroke Camp Extravaganza. Each year, we have a different theme. Saturday night is some kind of a collaborative uh, presentation of things related to that theme. We've done a cruise theme. We've done a a state fair theme, we've done a survivor theme, we've done a, a Hollywood theme, a 60s theme, an 80s theme. Uh, let's see, last year we did Roaring Twenties, which was supposed to be COVID year, but you know we had to postpone. And this year we're doing kind of a TV land theme. Uh, so Saturday night is whatever we have put together in the way of skits and music and dancing and singing and activities related to the theme. When we had the Hollywood theme, we had our red carpet. I actually bought red carpet. I bought the velvet ropes and everyone, we brought all kinds of gowns. I went to every Goodwill within a reasonable drive um, so people could dress up and we gave awards and let everybody come down the red carpet. We interviewed them. And I mean, I just, my heart just overwhelmed with emotion when I think of what we were able to do for those people um, and some of them hadn't dressed up since the stroke, you know, all that sort of thing. Uh, so anyway, Saturday night, and then Saturday night ends with bingo. If we didn't have bingo, we would probably be, uh, you know, drug out of town. Uh, but it's just one of those things that everybody likes to end the night with bingo. And we always, of course, provide prizes and everything for the bingo. Um, everyone's usually pretty tired by Saturday night. Um, 
And then Sunday, we wrap up by early afternoon, starting out with a non-denominational worship time for those that want to do that um, on a Sunday uh, or a Monday or whatever day it is, but a time for of reflection. It's non-denominational. It is relatively low key with a more of a kindness, more of a what I can do to be a better person or whatever theme. Um, then we have our uh, final drum circle of the weekend. Uh, where we have a chance to share what the weekend has meant, what what words come to mind with with what the weekend has meant to you, with being family and friendship and and you know whatever. So it's a chance to get together one more time and just share in a in a circle uh, with the heartbeat of the weekend. Uh, after that, we do some minute to win it type games where we do another little team competition things that are as much fun to watch as they are to participate in, bringing up the energy and having the laughter and the fun and frivolity again. Up the morning uh, on Sunday uh, with a slideshow. We bring out, along a staff person who takes photos all weekend and provides a slideshow uh, for all the campers to see what they did throughout the weekend prior to the noon meal and then heading home. I'm going to cough, pardon me. <coughs> And the, the volunteers help get everyone's luggage to their cars and all of that um, so that they really do feel like they've had a real relaxing getaway weekend. That's special. That's really special. Like, you know, it's, I can't imagine, like you were saying, you know, in some of these weekends, like the connections that are made, the smile, like going that slideshow at the end, just the laughs, I'm sure, the the smiles, the joy, like so many folks are, you know, Larry, like you brought up at the beginning, right? It's that connection that so many people miss in that transition back home after a stroke that, you know, you guys are really reviving and, and you know, not forgetting about the caregiver's role. It's not just a survivor's thing, you know, it's, it's important. So as like, speak to maybe some of you, you mentioned a number, 300 camps, like to run one of these seems like it's a logistic, <laughs> kind of, you know, a nightmare, but takes a lot of effort and energy um, and money as well. Right. So, you know, Larry, if, I don't know if you want to kind of talk us through, like, you know, what, what got you, you know, to surpass 300 of these camps, you know, what, how has this kind of become a, an operating model that that's kind of scaled and, and brought to life here? Well, one of the things we had to, I guess, decide upon fairly on is how we how we'd even consider doing something like this, because I think Mary Lee's original concept was to have a camp in central Illinois and people would come to this camp in central Illinois. And some of my background would suggest that you may want to go into communities and not only do a camp, but also help build a better awareness of stroke by working with the hospital and offering some of our education programs. So that's how that turned out. And I think the response from stroke centers, comprehensive stroke centers have been very positive in a sense of help, letting us help them facilitate that. And so, you know, first of all, basically, I was on the phone talking to stroke coordinators about this concept of a camp. And pretty soon it was eight, pretty soon it was 12, then it was 18, and then it was 22, and so on and so forth. 
So it's been building except for the, the pandemic years that uh, probably next year will probably be around 30 camps and we're doing 22 this year. So we continue to grow because I think the need is still out there. Hospitals are still interested in providing that uh, spectrum of care for stroke survivors. So uh, we'll, we'll continue to do that. I mean, uh, the, the hospitals are the one that really pick up the tab for it because they've got to pick up the cost of the lodging and the meals and our transportation, et cetera. So uh, they've been pretty good. Some, you know, have decided not to continue, but, you know, 90%, you know, up to some of them are 10 and 12 years now that they've been doing this for their survivors. Uh, one of the things I want to add, the sponsor provides the financing for the bulk of the expense, but we do ask uh, for a uh, stipend from the survivors and the caregivers, um, and it's $150 for the entire weekend, includes all the meals, the lodging, and everything, $150 per adult, um, and we do keep a scholarship fund. Um, it's limited. We don't have endless amounts of money for the scholarship fund, um, but we do help folks out so we don't have to turn anyone away. We did have one sponsor who wanted to pay 100% for their campers, uh, so they didn't have to pay anything. And we had the highest amount of no-shows that we've ever had at a camp. So we 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 have wow. gotten to where at least they have to pay that $50 deposit. Uh, something, yep. they need some skin in the game, mm -hmm. uh, which we discovered you know, by making a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. It's like a, a cheap gym membership, Planet Fitness, right? It's like yeah, you're not exactly. going to go unless you're, you're not going to go. You're going to pay 10 bucks, but you're not going. <laughs> so uh, strokecamp.org is the website and yes. you can find a camp by using the locator. And you did such a good job selling me on it. I'm looking to see how, how Mike and I can get there. And it looks like there's one in in New York in uh, in August. Upstate. So yeah, Upstate Upstate Syracuse, yeah. So, Up by Syracuse. Yeah. 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 So uh, should we go ahead and just register you now or you want to do that online? We'll do that yeah. online. <laughs> but It'll be uh, free entertainment just, for, for the Saturday yeah. or we could leave bingo. Maybe that could cover our tribe. There you go. Bingo caller. We can always use a good bingo caller. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, uh, let's, could it, we'll, we'll say we're going to, let's take a quick break here and then we're going to, I'd like to cover more um, some of the prevention stuff that you guys are doing as well. Hey there, No Stroke listeners. Whether this is your first episode you've tuned into or you've been a loyal listener since episode one, Dave and I are super thankful you're choosing to spend some time with us today. A goal of ours this year is to learn more about our listeners. After today's show, head over to our new website, nostrokepod.com. That's K-N-O-W-S-T-R-O-K-E-P-O-D.com and choose an option in the drop-down titled, What's Your Connection to Stroke? If you have a topic or want to recommend a guest for the show, we've also made it easy for you to simply submit your feedback all on the new website. You could always reach out to David and I personally through our social channels or via email. And all those contact details, including the new link to the website, can be found in the show notes. Thank you. Now let's get back to today's show. All right. And we're back here with Mary Lee and Larry, the, the dynamic duo uh, that make up the United Stroke Alliance. Um, so we we really, you know what? when we when we spoke about these stroke camps right the the focus is all right these it's in that phase of 
trying to find connections, you know, caregivers, survivors, figuring out and families figuring out what that journey is of life after stroke. Um, but you guys do important things as well, more on the prevention kind of community awareness and advocacy for stroke um, with something that is trademarked by the United Stroke Alliance called <laughs> Strike Out Stroke. And, you know, Larry, I, I'd love for you uh, to go into some depth here with, with this program. Yeah, I would love to talk to you about our trademark Strike Out Stroke. <laughs> Uh, uh, it started out of our camps when we were sitting in our circles with our stroke survivors and they wanted to make sure we had programs to educate the communities where they came from because they didn't want their neighbors and relatives uh, experiencing uh, strokes uh, and minimizing the impact of strokes. So we decided to come up with some kind of stroke education awareness program. And at that time, uh, we came up with the idea of working with major and minor league baseball and having single events called Strikeout Stroke. And it would be a single event that that night that we would do uh, everything from educating the fans about the signs of stroke, having stroke survivors on the field, throwing out the first pitch, having stuff on the, the big media board about act fast at the time that was pre-COVID, obviously, when we were using ACTFAST. Um, but <clears throat> over uh, in about three years, we were in front of about one and a half million people uh, with our 21 major league baseball events and about 80 minor league teams. So during that time period, we were with about 100 teams uh, educating through their communities and working with the hospitals again in their community educating the local community about uh, stroke. And uh, I think it's probably one of the few, I guess, educational efforts that has that kind of national reach. Now in COVID, obviously we had to shut things down and uh, we couldn't do baseball events, but we're sort of resurrecting that now again. So we've got teams around the country uh, that are started doing strikeout stroke events again. So the whole purpose behind that was to uh, educate fans and through the promotion of the game, educating them on the signs of stroke. The, the side piece of that is that originally when we did that, Act Fast was sort of the acceptable acronym for the signs of stroke. And a few years ago, it went to Be Fast to add balance and eyes. Well, uh, United Stroke Alliance uh, felt that we needed more. So instead of be fast, we have created be faster, which is be fast ER. And because most people do not understand the nature of a stroke being in an emergency, people were missing the time period of acute treatment to mitigate the response of a stroke. So, <clears throat> We added ER on there to emphasize the fact that it is not something that you take a nap. It is not something that you call the doctor tomorrow about. It is an emergency. So our whole Be Faster fits in with our Strikeout Stroke and our other educational programs. So uh, we really like to work with the community to establish the Be Faster acronym 
to get people to understand the timeliness of a stroke. So uh, yeah. that's but, where we are with with what we're doing with strikeout stroke. I'm glad you covered that part because I really like that that you guys added that on. Um, so the ER is emergency response or just calling yes. attention. Yeah, to, yeah. and yeah. It, it's it's a call nine one one. They Perfect. know what to do and they'll get you there faster. That's part of the narrative when we when we go over that. And we also created an app for both Apple and Android, uh, a Be Faster app. Um, enter BE with a hyphen faster, and it has that Be Faster acronym. And then if you touch on the B. It goes into more detail about what balance means, what eyes means, what face, arm, speech, and time. So uh, we created that a couple of, just actually right about COVID time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that COVID interfered with a lot of things, but I'm glad we're on the backside of it now, obviously. So so I, I think, again, how do you reach millions of people, you know, to think about and educate them on the signs of stroke and what better way is to uh, really look at sports because people follow sports and, and just to tell you right now that we're working with baseball but we've also have some uh, avenues into NFL too so um, yeah, we, we have no ceiling you know uh, United Stroke Alliance you know we have no direct affiliation with any hospital or any organization we're sort of like Switzerland we, we just don't have the money you know, like Switzerland, you know, we're, we're independent. We can do what we want. When Mary Lee and I come up with an idea, it's like, what do you think? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. You know, <laughs> there's no 15 steps of approval to get anything done. It's like, we come up with something. Okay. Let's do it. Let's give it a try. You know, let's give it a try. So uh, yeah. that's the same thing with what we've been doing with be faster and the apps, et cetera. So. Yeah. You're just taking it and it's all things, right. You're not, throwing fluff out there right it's well thought through and executed programs and things that are are beneficial and have obviously then garnered interest from the people who could back it right with with the sponsorship um what's like when you think about you know what's what's next and and kind of the the needs of some of these survivors and groups for you guys like how you are the dynamic duo but like do you have like who else is supporting you to to kind of bring some of this these programs to life i i you know i don't imagine you'd need a support team or or do you guys just not sleep we had no we have a small we have a small staff yeah. and and quite a number of volunteers who really believe yeah. in our mission and they travel with us and they help execute the camps and they volunteer at at the events that they can volunteer at so um Board of directors. We have a national board of directors and a local board of directors. The local one kind of oversees the camps, the national board of directors, and they are from different parts of the country uh, and they have connections. So, so far um, we've done, we've done, we've done okay. We, I mean, I, we go one like a little step at a time, a little step at a time. Uh, so, you know, so far uh, we haven't run into any real major uh, challenges. Um, when we grow the camps a little bit more, I have some concern that we need to bring in, you know, more volunteers and expand the opportunities with people participating in the camps um, if they continue to grow. But I had said we could do 12 or 15 at the most. And we've done one year, we did 26 or 27. So 29, 29. I got over myself. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's been a struggle, guys, to to bring Mary Lee along here. It's like uh, I see see this picture of 30 to 40 camps. And it's like when I approached her to begin with that, we were going to do 15 camps. It's like, well, how do we going to do that? And it's like, well, we got past that. We got over that. So we're on the (laughs) next step now. It's like, okay, we got to get past 30. We can do this. We got to figure it out, but we'll do it. And is your approach really just because. You know, as David and I speak to survivors, caregivers, providers, like anyone in this stroke community, um, you know, and and it's not only here in the U.S., it's abroad as well. We had a woman on who runs the this year title is looking at specifically like stroke support organizations across the globe. Right. Emerging markets, you know, in third world countries that are still dealing with these same challenges of stroke. But. I guess what I'd be curious about is like with how successful you guys have been with these camps, right? There's also an issue of like maybe awareness of what you guys are doing as well, right? Like you're, yes, you've, you've garnered, you're, you're on track to surpass your, you know, over, well, you have surpassed 300 camps, you know, you're, you have, you know, all these hospital systems that you're working with, but there's there's a lot of patient support groups out there that are and caregivers support groups as well that are just siloed, right? Like they 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 work independently. There's 10, you know, 10, 15 odd folks in this support group. And they often are the ones that just go under because they like they have no ability to get these like or traction or guidance to like get these support from support from sponsors to kind of maintain their mission and, and grow. But I, I don't think the issue is is more funding as it is just coming together, right? And like, you know, being able to get awareness of folks like yourselves and other support groups out there that could kind of come together as maybe one voice. So I guess, you know, when, when you think of your approach at running these camps and these events, like, do you get or do you are people reaching out from these smaller support organizations or are you trying to kind of find other support groups that are out there in the country or are you mainly just kind of going to these hospital systems and they're bringing the folks to you well i'm happy to say we haven't had to go to any hospital systems for several years we did that cold calling warm calling for about yeah. 5 years and all we do now is follow up on the ones that hear about us that right. want to do- that want to do what other hospital systems have done. So that part has has relieved the heavy travel and the heavy burden of selling. Uh, and I've always said, I'm not a salesperson. And Larry says, yes, you are. Cause when you tell your story, you've sold something. But um, so, so, that, so right now we mainly just follow up on and work with those people that we hear. We've had like a stroke coordinator move. And when she gets to her new hospital, she wants a camp. So she gives us a call or a physician, a neurologist or something. So as far as that piece is concerned, we are following up with the leads that we have. And, you know, we're done for this year with adding any more camps on, but we're already looking into next year and starting to get dates and everything for next year. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's what popped into my head. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Go ahead, Larry. I was going to say, as much as we like to think that that money is secondary to the mission, uh, from my perspective, 
uh, you know, how many good ideas are out there that are good ideas, but they're just good ideas, quite frankly. They need financial support. And whether it's, you know, printing of materials, if it's doing fundraisers, the money needed to, the seed money to do that. Unfortunately, money, quite frankly, is a big part of how you get the mission fulfilled. And I think that's the struggle for us. It is. In a sense of if, if we had money that we would like to have, we I think we could do so much more. But it's yeah. like we're limited in time, money, and people. And it's like if we had some more of each, uh, we could be reaching out to other organizations. Mm -hmm. But it's almost like, well, what do we got to do today? Well, we got 10 hours to do an eight today, you know, that kind of thing. So it, it, it's a reality check pretty much. Yeah, that, that's a really important point, Larry. And and when you were talking about all the programs and you both and your energy, um, you know, there, there are other programs that you have on your website too. The one that's dear to my heart is your, your mission with, you know, youth education on Stroke Your Yes program. I think that's an area that so desperately needs to get into the school system. You know, I've, 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 I've tried in my own individual effort and felt, felt really honestly fell short because of the funding. Um, but the, the amount of, um, uh, you know, from, from the time that Mike and I have been doing this, it's, we have a lot of efforts that are, 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 are siloed and, and you guys have been able to really, dive in, especially with your camps, just dive in. And I love what you said at the beginning about your groups are absolutely benefiting your caregivers, but you're also, it's almost like you're running a focus group. You're, you're responding to the absolute needs that, and, and, and changing your program in response to the pain points that um, your groups are, are, right. are telling you what they need. And I think that is so that that that's so inspiring to hear how you know that, that's the good and bad news basically because we're small enough that we can respond quickly and accurately to what we hear the bad news we don't have millions of dollars in our checkbook to go out and create a lot of the programs that we hear about so it's sort of the good news and bad news but I'll stick with the bad news right now. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll hear and we'll do what we can. We'll take step by step to be closer to where we need to be. Yeah. And, you know, maybe as we move into this magic wand, I, th I think it's maybe an interesting area to to kind of touch on of, of these challenges, right? You look at other conditions like Parkinson's, MS, oncology, like, there are these national group like Michael J. Fox organization or something. And there, there are these big, unfortunately, it comes down to celebrities having it, right? Where somebody just backs it, right? And they're all of a sudden, now they're these funds. Like, yeah. what do you think it takes for Stroke to kind of get that recognition? Uh, um I tried. I tried to contact Dick Clark after his stroke, <laughs> and I and I tried to contact Oprah Winfrey when, um, oh, who was her friend that had the stroke and he died a few years later? Uh, I'm, anyway, um, I've tried to reach out, but I I wasn't I wasn't successful yeah. with any of those because we kept thinking if there's a celebrity that has a stroke that would be a spokesperson, then that might be 
you know, a connection that we could make because yeah. Larry and I, neither one are celebrities. <laughs> Larry I, I, doesn't want to be. I don't want to. <laughs> I think one of the challenges that we have with stroke that may not be, may be different than other conditions is the fact when you talk to a stroke survivor, and I've had some connections with celebrities, they don't want people to know about their stroke. And it's like, okay, now we got a problem. It's not sexy. You know, and, and it's like, <laughs> for whatever reason, whether they're musical talent or actor or whatever the case may be, uh, whether it's a question of their future in their career, that people identify them as having a stroke and have perceptions of what that is, you know, or <clears throat> is it they just don't feel comfortable with telling people that they've had a stroke. So I think it's a little bit different than kids with cancer, so to speak, uh, or, you know, even Parkinson's or whatever case maybe it's like, not everybody thinks the same way and views stroke the same way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of our inherent challenge with, with even stroke survivors. So, uh, yeah. and I don't know how to fix that. And it's like, and I think it's going to change person and you're spot on, you know, I, I think it's, because of how debilitating stroke has been, right? When you look at it historically, right? Like when you had a stroke, chances are it was going to be a pretty bad outcome and you weren't going back to work and your life was going to be completely different. But I think as we hopefully evolve here and granted, it's not like we're raising a healthier population, but at least medicine is advancing and, right, you know, right. there's tpa there's more acute treatment people are arriving to the hospital where i think you know maybe if it's it's not going to be five years ten years from now but i think it's going to take that progression of you know treatment maybe earlier in the phase to to have less debilitating strokes where people are able to get back to work um and and on their feet but yeah you're you guys are are spot on with it you know mary lee it's not sexy you know, I've said that before. <laughs> I mean, and I, you know, I, I even, you know, like breast cancer, I mean, that, you know, the whole movement with all of that, you know, it's, it's like all the walks and all the, you know, all the rah-rah and the cheering. Um, and, and it, it was accepted and stroke has just never been accepted in a way that other diagnoses have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I went on a celebrity trying to, I tried to get on Dan Gilbert, Dan Gilbert, a very successful businessman from, um, you know, um, the mortgage company up in mm -hmm. Cleveland. Um, yeah. Anyway, like one of the most rich people in America, right. He had a stroke maybe right before COVID as well. And it just, you know, he, he's kind of stayed out of the media with it. Doesn't want to talk about it. And it's, it's unfortunate, right. It is. So we're going to leave that problem up to you guys to figure out. Let us know how that works out. <laughs> Thank you, Larry. <laughs> well, we can't leave without uh, asking you guys our magic wand question. And I think, you know, there, there's been a lot here that we covered. But, you know, if we could wrap up, um, we ask every guest, you know, if you had a magic wand, how would you take that and redesign the stroke care experience? Um, so we'll start with you, Larry. And, and Mary Lee, you could wrap us up. I defer to Mary Lee on that. I will respond to what she says. All right. Did, did All you right. see how Pat, I did that? Passing, passing, passing that. the magic wand. 
Oh, this, this, this man can delegate better than anybody I've ever known. Um, That's been part of our successful relationship. My, and my magic wand um, is stroke caregiver specific. There would be an opportunity for caregivers of stroke to understand and get the tools that I've gotten by going to over 100 camps in those support group where we share and we learn. And when my husband has a meltdown, he's screaming and yelling and crying, and I try and respond back and it gets worse and worse and worse. I didn't understand that, that his brain cannot settle down. Nobody told me that. I learned that from talking to others and from experimenting myself. So could we have a free or very low cost national opportunity for caregivers of stroke specific to reach out and get the tools and get the answers or have someone they can talk to that's been through the same thing. Aphasia is a whole subcategory of that. I mean, we're 22 years out and we had an aphasia, a big aphasia, not, it was, it was funny, but a big aphasia situation yesterday. It was our anniversary. My husband can't say anniversary and he wished me happy birthday and he wished me happy new year and he wished me happy everything else. And finally he said, I wish you happy day we become married to each other <laughs> because anniversary isn't a word that he identifies with and can't set, speak it. So there's so many subcategories that if we had an opportunity to wave a magic wand and have that available for uh, stroke caregivers, I'd be a happy girl. Take that and run with it, Larry. <laughs> All right. Mine's, mine's more global. Of course and it is. Of course. <laughs> Mine's yeah. selfish. We got yin and yang here. You know, we, we think <laughs> differently, but somehow we work it together here. But my magic wand right now, you know, we've been working with about 20% of people getting to hospital in time for TPA or early treatment. That 20% has been there for 15 years. That That needle has not budged. If I had a magic wand, I would hope that someday we can say 80% made it to the hospital in time for early treatment. That's if I had a magic wand, that's, and can you imagine the impact that that would have if people got early enough treatment that 80% got early treatment that mitigated the challenges of stroke? Boy, if we could do that, if we could reverse that number from 20 to 80% of people getting in there, we, 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 we all have made a difference. So that's my magic wand answer. That was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah, that was good. And, and I'll, um, I'll just say that um, I wanted to know if there is anything we missed, but I I have one you know, maybe it will, we usually end with, you know, how do we reach out? I think we've covered your camps. We covered your mission. Um, the one thing we haven't covered is the, um, maybe I'll put my co-host up to the challenge of the cookie challenge. I want to know, <laughs> is, is that still alive and well on your website? Because I might put Mike up to that. If you're not familiar with it, Mike, you're gonna have to look it up, maybe send in a video. I think that was a clever. We, we would love that. We would okay. love that. Uh, we, we, we created that during the COVID era. It was very clever. We needed something and uh, it met with 
some success, but uh, we would really like to see Mike uh, meet the challenge on I'm, that. I'm going to lay down the challenge because Marilee has 12 seconds. I want to know how many takes that took, Marilee. Well, I think we need to well, explain explain to the audience what the cookie challenge. They, they have to go to the website. I'm just drawing yeah, more traffic, right. Mike. <laughs> the cookie challenge is one of the things that we've done uh, in our uh, camps on Sunday morning as one of our games where you would put the cookie on your forehead and, and do your thing. So I had demonstrated it many, many times. So I was already pretty good at it. But I still right. pay I still pay big money, Mike, to see you. I, I, <laughs> is I that it, money. Is this going to, is this, are we getting at a bald joke here, Larry? Is that why it's going to slide <laughs> no, right no, off? No, no, no. Not at all. Not at all. Not hey, at all. Mike, work to your advantage, Mike. <laughs> I, I all right, I got but, it. Yeah, we, we could do that. And, <laughs> Well, look, it's been it's been a pleasure here, guys. You know, thank you for for sharing thank everything you. that you're doing. And, you know, we hope, you know, all the continued success with the, with the camps across the, the country this year, strikeout strokes, wherever they're happening, you know, whether it's, you know, locally here, you know, I think Connecticut, you know, there there might be, you know, an opportunity to look at, you know, there and, you know, everywhere else across the country, you know, to to really get that word out of being fast and especially as we sit here in may um you know it's where you, you see it more more heightened around be fast so yeah it's uh it's amazing work you guys are doing and you know mary lee you know from one caregiver to another like you know what you've done is is really remarkable uh, thank you both and yeah we'll we'll certainly we'd love to have you back and you know maybe after camp you know we could Get a, sure. get, get a participant, kind of share their experience. But yeah, we'll we'll certainly be in touch, guys. Sure. Thank you. Cool. Great. Okay. Yep. All right. Thanks, hey. Take care, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the No Stroke Podcast. Be sure to tune in each week for more knowledge on stroke recovery in the brain with tips, technology, and interesting Stroke Thriver interviews where they share their success to enable you on your own healing journey. Make sure to hit the follow button on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to our show. Mike and I will love to ask you to rate and review our show to enable us to grow our audience. Please check the show notes to follow us on social so you can connect and reach out to find more about advertising with us or becoming a guest on our show. Until next time, stay well, keep the faith, and keep moving forward.